Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Today, Rado talks through episode 41 of the podcast, which is my yearly Essen blowout extravaganza, which means I am going to be telling you first my top 10 most anticipated games of the show. Then, if that weren't enough, I'll tell you about 85 other games at the show that I would be anticipating. Um, That's a lot. That's 95 games we're going to be talking about, folks. And then after that, I'll talk about a bunch of expansions as well. I'm not sure how many. 30 or 40 expansions. A bunch of expansions as well. So... With all of that, we're going to have to forego the regular monthly um, new games of interest, top 10 revisits, and Q's and A's, but those will all be back next month, as will Jen, to answer your questions. So folks, be sure to send questions in to questions at rotto.com. For me, for Jen, for both of us, whether they're game-related, show-related, life-related, uh, because we're a little low on questions, and I'm a bit worried for the show next month. Anyway, questions at rotto.com. Send them in. Hit us! Uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll take anything. Yeah, just as long as it's arable on a family-friendly show. And in the meantime, well, I need to start telling you about these games. And I'm going to start with the top ten, and uh, and and then do and end with the what you call it? The I can't think of it. The the word the word expansions. Yeah, oh. Yeah. I'm exhausted, folks, in large part because I just uh, put the sh- I put a game that Jen and I were playing on hold, and it's a big, heavy, awesome game. But I knew I had to get this thing filmed today, and Jen had to get down to the post office. So we're filming, we're recording now, and uh, when Jen gets back, we'll get back to the game. So I'm racing against the clock. So why am I babbling? you're on the plane, you're on the train, you're in the automobile on the way there. Hopefully you'll find this list useful. And so hang on, everybody. We'll be right back with my top 10 most anticipated games of Essence Spiel 2018. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right into the deep end. I'm going to start out right now with the top 10 most anticipated games, six of which I have already played and given you in video form. So uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Go watch the original run-through and see if it looks like it's something you're going to want to check out. But uh, let's just get right to it because this is what you're waiting for. The show's almost here. Number 10 on my list is Teotihuacan, which is such a sharp, really cool combination of mechanisms. It's effectively the spiritual sequel to Zolk in the Mayan calendar, because it's kind of the same setting, and it's one of the designers of that game, but it's very different gameplay. It's basically the notion of putting dice on a rondelle, and the dice evolve and grow over time, which is kind of harkens back to the big gears in Zolkin, but it goes about the passage of time in a very, very different way. Jen and I were both really blown away by this one. Uh, it's, it's just so much fun. But again, don't take my word for it. Check out the run-through on you know my YouTube channel if you want to know more about my number 10 most anticipated game, uh, Teotihuacan. And now, number 9 is 
underwater cities. Vladimir Suchi is back, everybody, and I am very, very happy about that. He's one of my favorite designers, and uh, this is a follow-up to last year's, what was it, Pulsar 2849, which was a fantastic, phenomenal uh, space exploration uh, race game. Now, he has given us a Euro-style worker placement game, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, as players are trying to build underwater cities to help deal with global overpopulation. Like I said, this is a worker placement game, but the really interesting thing is, at any given time, you have cards in your hand, that when you place your worker, you also play a card along with it that specifies what that worker is capable of doing, above and beyond just the action of the space they're going to. But to get those bonuses off the card, you have to color match the card with one of the worker placements spaces on the board. And that may sound like a simple little thing, but it creates such amazing turn angst as round after round. Okay, that's the action I've got to do, but I don't have any cards that would piggyback off of that action, so should I go ahead and do this other action, which isn't what I need right now, and wait for the right card? Really cool, clever stuff. Very fun. Uh, my number nine, Underwater Cities. Then, okay, here's a new one. Have not played this yet. My number eight is Carpe Diem. From my favorite board game designer of all time, Doc Doctor, I was about to say um, Stefan Feld, except he's not a doctor. That's Reiner Knizia. I've been filming so much stuff over the last few weeks getting ready for S and my brain is about to explode. But anyway, yes, Stefan Feld. He's finally back after taking a sabbatical. Actually, that's not true. We uh, got, what was it, got Merlin last year. But this year he's got two games. The first one I'm talking about is Carpe Diem. Now, I don't know much about this. My understanding is it's a card drafting game and it's kind of on the lighter side. This is not one of his big, super heavy, crazy point salad games that he's known for. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I wish I could play this right now because, again, he's my favorite. And I haven't really bothered to do much research. There have been some folks out there that have gotten their hands on it and uh, yeah, because I'm not quite sure why. I guess they just have more pull with the publisher or maybe it's already available. I'm not quite sure. All I know is... I cannot wait to play um, my number eight, Carpe Diem. But moving on to number seven, I have played that one. It is a Coimbra, which is a very, very cool uh, dice drafting game. Dice drafting, my favorite gameplay mechanism of all time. But once you uh, place the die, they have two uses or two meanings. The value of the die and the color of the die. Both of which pay off in different ways over the course of a given round. And uh, in fact, uh, there's also a worker placement element to this game too, where you're drafting the dice and then using them to activate actions, but they're first come, first serve. So there's this cool little uh, uh, element you get to the game where you have these little castle pieces that you can stick the dice in so that as you put them out on the board, everyone can see whose dice are whose. Why am I talking about Coimbra when you can watch my run-through? This is going to be one of the best games of the year. In fact, uh, the only thing keeping it from the super high upper echelons is the fact that I was a little disappointed by some of the thematic choices they made, which has nothing to do with gameplay. The gameplay is so amazing in my number uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, Coimbra. Uh, but then, on to number 6. Another one that I've already covered. I was lucky to do it a little while ago. Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. This game is just so awesome. It is a uh, tile drafting and tile laying game. I got a bunch of tiles. I am going to grab some of them and then hand the rest off to my neighbor. But the important thing is, after I take the two tiles that I'm going to grab out of the available ones this round, I've got to place one to the castle on my left and one to the castle on 
on my right. In the castle on my left, I'm collaborating with another player. The castle on my right, I'm collaborating with another player. So, like the uh, Between Two Cities, the game that came before this, it's such a wonderful... I mean, there's no better term for it. It's a wonderful collaborative experience where I'm trying to get the best out of both my castles, and so are you, but you want my, one of my castles to fail, and I want one of your castles to fail, uh, because there can be only one winner. It's brilliant, and it brings in the wonderful sense of whimsy and uh, just, you know, fun factor that uh, the Castles of Man King Ludwig had, taking the gameplay of Between Two Cities and the uh, the theme and humor of uh, Castles of Man King Ludwig is a wonderful mishmash of two games, which is why it's my number six, Between the Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Now we've got number five, another game I just filmed a run-through for it the other day, and oh my gosh, just totally blew me and Jen away. Gugong is a, another worker placement game. What's with all these amazing worker placement games? And here I thought that the genre was kind of getting a little played out. Gugong is interesting in much the same way as Underwater Cities because... As you deploy your workers onto the board to do things, your workers have potential bonus actions they can do depending on the card in your hand. In this game, the card itself is a worker. And so I've got these cards. I could play over here, here, here to do these core actions, but those actions will be supplemented. But here's the deal. The cards I'm playing represent gifts I am giving to, um, uh, or what do you call it, uh, uh, officials and magistrates within the uh, the ancient Chinese government because I'm trying to bribe them. And the interesting thing is when I put a card out with a high bribery value, it's a very valuable gift to do whatever action I need to do. Help construct the Great Wall of China or try to get closer to an audience with the emperor or whatever. I end up taking a gift back from that worker placement spot on the board. And I always want to give a better gift than what I receive so that my bribe will actually work to full effect. But that means over the course of the game, I'm giving up all my high value cards and getting low value cards. And now I've got to, well, nobody wants my gifts, my new low value gifts. So having to juggle that and a bunch of other stuff as well just makes Gugong absolutely amazing. Probably going to be in my top five, maybe my top three of the year. This is so fantastic. Um, But as good as it is, there are four I care about. I want to check out even more. Although I've only played one of them. This is all new territory. My number four is Keyflow. From designer Richard Breeze, this could also be called Keyflower the Card Game. Because it uh, it takes the, the meeple-driven auction mechanisms of Keyflower, which, by the way, is in my top 10 games of all time. Keyflower is so incredible. It takes the auction stuff out, which is fair enough, because I know for a lot of people, the auctions in Keyflower can be just a little bit too cutthroat. I totally get that. And Jen and I, we've never found it to be a problem. But it takes the auction stuff out, but leaves the rest of the game, which was this little civilization building thing and trying to transport goods around. I haven't played it yet. I haven't even seen how it plays yet. I don't need to. Richard Breeze has 100% buy-off for me. Or by which I mean I'm 100% confident in his ability to produce stellar designs. And if he is revisiting arguably his greatest design of all time and coming up with a new twist on it... I'm totally there, which is why I'm all about my number four, Key Flow. Then we've got number three, 
blackout Hong Kong. I have talked about this in the past, but Alexander Pfister is fast becoming one of the greatest modern, or you know, one of the most exciting. I shouldn't say greatest. That's a that's a big lofty thing. But he's certainly one of the most exciting Euro game designers working today. Uh, he's had a bunch of award winning, uh, big big hits, and everything he's done. Um, you know, even if they weren't necessarily for me and Jen uh, for various and sundry reasons, I still thought were phenomenal designs. So uh, again, I have the utmost faith in him with his new, big, heavy, expansive Euro. It's interesting, this one, uh, the publisher's playing pretty close to the vest. They're not really putting a lot of information out there. They kind of did a surprise announcement just a week or so ago, so not many people, not much is known about Black Hawk Hong, Blackout Hong Kong other than the theme and subject matter, which is, it's set in modern-day Hong Kong with citywide blackouts, and we're the emergency response team trying to deal with this problem and keep people safe. That is such a cool, fun, fresh... Uh, subject matter. I love that theme. I cannot wait to check this out. I'm super duper excited. My number three, Blackout Hong Kong. But then we've got my number two, which I have played. It literally just showed up in the mail yesterday. Who knew in America you can get mail deliveries on a Sunday? And um, actually... I'm kind of bummed. Jen and I are halfway through a game right now. I would rather be out there playing this than talking to you, but I knew I had to get this thing done today. What is it? Stop blathering. It's my other Steffenfeld game of the year, Forum uh, Trajanum. Forum Trajanum, which... I want to say is the sequel to Trajan, which for a lot of people is Steffenfeld's greatest game, but it just bears the same subject matter, the same setting, you know, ancient Rome in the time of Emperor Trajan. It's a radically different game, but oh my gosh, it's so good. Well, I talked earlier, Carpe Diem, I guess is more of a light to medium weight one. This is felled at his point salady best. Oh my gosh, there is so much going on in this game. Like I said, I'm only halfway through a game right now and I just want to keep playing it. Um, basically, we are provincial governors of outlying cities of the Roman Empire and um, at the beginning of the game, we've got our little city space that we have to build up, you know, fill with municipal buildings and, uh, you know, nice amenities like parks and fountains and stuff like that. But the interesting thing is, uh, it's a perfectly aligned grid of places that we can build. And it's full of all the local citizenry who we can recruit to help build up. And in some cases, send back to the main board, which is the uh, the Roman... Uh, you know, in Rome itself, the Forum uh, Trajan. We can send envoys back to do area control stuff, which is kind of Luna-esque now that I think about it. But anyway, the main portion of our board is we are trying to pull these citizens off of the board, flip them over to reveal what powers they'll give us. And the interesting thing is, every round I'm going to pull two of them off the board. One of them I'll keep to myself. One I will give to my neighbor. So we're constantly having to give gifts to each other. So it's got this kind of interesting draft thing, a little bit of a you know surprise discovery. I don't know exactly what the citizens I pick are going to be uh, capable of, but I still got to make smart decisions about which uh, citizens I grab because of the different objectives there are for how I'm supposed to build up my city based on what the emperor demands with you know various objective cards that are public display. The other thing is. I can't just grab any citizen I want to start building wherever I want in my little city grid. Every round, two cards are going to get drawn that describe what rows or columns I can grab out of. And um, that can be incredibly challenging. I know where I need to build. This is exactly where I need to build. But I have to build over here instead because this is what the Emperor has demanded. And do I break the rules? Do I give up an envoy? No, uh, a tribune so that I can do what I need to do. But those are such a precious resource. 
Um, but I've got to make smart decisions because everything affects everything in this game. It is so dense and deep. The way the citizens um, are added either as envoys to go back to Rome itself, or I can start leveraging their special powers, or they'll just give me access to other resources I need. Um, so many different ways to score points. And while I said this is point salady, it's interesting. You're not scoring points every step of the way. You're constantly building up. The game takes place over three years. There's four seasons in each year. So 12 rounds total. And it's only at the end of every year that you're going to score. So you're going for all that you're trying to get everything into position to have really big scoring. And then you kind of almost have to start all over again, chasing after different objectives. It's brilliant. I hope to get it filmed in time for Essence Spiel so everybody can see, but it might I might not make it because time is running out. But still, um, it would have been my number two anyway, but now I can say it's my number two with an incredible level of confidence because I'm halfway through my first game of um, forum. Um, uh, Trajanum. But my number one, folks, it's got to be Pandemic Fall of Rome. Pandemic, my favorite game of all time, the gateway game that got me and Jen into modern designer board gaming. So, of course, I'm already predisposed towards it. And hey, I love Era of Antiquity stuff. No surprise, considering the list I just gave you. But Fall of Rome is interesting because this is, I believe, is this the third time that Matt Leacock... This is the third game in his series of games where he's collaborating with other designers from around the world to bring their design sensibilities into the core pandemic formula. Uh, because, yeah, we did the uh, the Cthulhu one and uh, the Rising Tide one and... Oh, wait, there's one other. Oh, man, they're all good and interesting new cool flavor. But the reason maybe Fall of Rome is the most interesting one to date is because, well, first of all, who he's working with. Paolo Mori, who is one of the best Euro designers working today. Um... I mean, Libertalia and, uh, oh, uh, Vasco da Gama. I mean, this guy has got design shops for days. But I'm really interested in this as well because a lot of people said, hey, this is Pandemic inching a little bit more towards the realm of Defenders of the Realm. Uh, you know, make because the cubes are not viruses they were trying to deal with. Instead, they are the invading hordes, the barbarians, the, uh, you know, the Germanic tribes and all that who are trying to tear... Rome down, and we are trying to protect Rome during its final days, during the fall of Rome. So the cubes, I guess they move around, and I guess you can actually ally yourself with the cubes? I think I read that somewhere? I don't know. Other than the fact that it's going to be fantastic, um, you know, they've all been really, really great. Uh, you know, these new designers have really breathed fresh life into the pandemic formula, and they've always been cool and surprising, and that's why it's my number one must-have pandemic Fall of Rome. Phew. Okay, cool. We got the top 10 out of the way, but, um, you know, hold on, everybody. Uh, we got plenty more Essen games to talk about, so I'll be right back. Okay, folks, that was 10, but how about another 85? Although, I'll be honest, I mean, that's just scratching the surface. I mean, there's like another 100 or so, or maybe even 200, that pique my interest either because of the title or the subject matter or the art or whatever. But you know what? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Publishers these days, I am shocked how they just can't seem to be bothered to write up descriptions for their games on BoardGameGeek that do a good job of explaining what makes their games special. That's so important, and it's so easy to do, but just time after time after time, we get the same generic cookie-cutter, almost copy-and-pasted description. So, 
I, I've just, I, I, I had to ignore them. I just didn't have time to do the research. So these 85 are ones that I have a reason that makes me confident they're worth checking out. Can't say uh, if any of these, actually, that's not true. I, I'll be able to say a lot of these are actually worth seeking out and buying, but um, I've l- lumped in a bunch of games I already have played and filmed along with the other ones that I haven't. Now, to give it some kind of countdown format, I am using the uh, Essen 2018 preview list that's on BoardGameGeek, as always put together by the uh, all-powerful Eric Martin. Eric, once again, I doff my cap. We all owe you a debt of gratitude for all the work you do putting this thing together. So anyway, I'm using that, and I've flagged all the ones that I have marked as interested instead of must-have. That's what the top 10 was. And I've sorted it by hotness, which is to say by the number of thumbs that other people have given it. So I'm relying on Board Game Geek to rank these, and I won't say that I agree with all of them, but hey, it's something, and it creates a nice little uh, build-up. So let's get going with the uh, first one on the list from Tasty Minstrel Games, Jungilla. And I don't really know much about it other than two things. Tasty Minstrel Games, which means it's going to be a good game. Whether it's one I like or not is another story, but it's going to be a good game. And designer Hisashi Hiyashi, who is just on fire. I'm assuming he's Japanese. I'm not 100% certain about that. But, uh, man, he has just been on fire over the last few years. I mean, uh, most recently... Yokohama, from actually picked up by Tasty Minstrel Games as well, was such a phenomenal title. But, you know, going back to trains, I really love that. Minerva was a really sharp uh, game. You know, Rolling America, Rolling Japan. The guy has definitely put in his time and has put out a bunch of really good games. And so, I fully expect the same when we are talking about what was it again? Oh, uh, Jungle Law. And apparently, it's... Is it a roll and write? It is a dice-rolling modular board exploration game. But, you know, uh, all I know is you have trusty dice that you use to acquire resources. And uh, you need letters... I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Because once again, as much as I love Tasty Mitchell Games, I'm not saying they did a very good job of capturing my imagination with this description. And uh, so, I'm just going based off of designer pedigree and publisher pedigree for Jungle Law. Then, we've got Walkstar, the third edition. This is, I should have said right up front. I don't uh, think I did. There's a couple of things to bear in mind about this list. I completely eliminated from the potential candidates for being on this list anything that was getting its German first printing or its French first printing. There's a lot of games that are on this list that have been out for months or even years in some cases, but they're on the list like, hey, it's a brand new game no one's ever heard of because it's finally getting a German print. I'm ignoring all of those. Sorry, uh, but you know what? Hey, whatever it is, I probably talked about it in years past. Um... I almost completely scratched off the list things like this, Walkstar 3rd Edition, that are basically just getting reprints because they haven't been available for a while or what have you. But in the end, I kept them on. Sorry, uh, this has nothing to do with Walkstar. Uh, Just just because, well, there are a few that I really, really, really loved. And so I, I felt wrong to mention some of them but not mention all of them. So... Hey, getting back to the list, Walkstar is a very, very cool cooperative real-time game where players are working together to run a uh, a Chinese 
restaurant. And we did play the first edition years and years and years ago. And I remember at the time, Jen just found it to be far too hectic and stressful. Uh, but at the time, we were not... It was This was the first time we ever played a real-time board game. Since then, we've played a lot. So I'm really interested in going back and visiting it again and seeing if uh, Jen would be a bit more up for a quick game of Walkstar. So it made the list. It's third edition. Congratulations. Let's talk next about another game from Tasty Minstrel, Big Dig. And what do you want? Oh, no, yeah, this was their roll and write game that they're putting out there. You're an archaeologist digging for artifacts, and you uh, draft a card. So it's not a roll and write. I guess it's a draw and write, like Welcome to. That tells you where you have to dig, and you basically draw lines to indicate the tunnels you're digging through. Yeah, again, okay, thanks. I guess that's kind of a description, but again, it doesn't tell me what makes this cool and fun and exciting to play. So I'm just going to go based on the fact that it's Tasty Minstrel Games. And Jen, I have really been enjoying this big explosion of roll and rights, or write and rights uh, in, in the case of this, or draw and rights uh, in the case of something like this. I expect it'll be good. And if you're at all interested in folks, I do know it's something you should seek out very, very quickly because my understanding is there will be a very, very, very small number of these available. Though, so they'll probably be gone very, very quick if you're interested at all in Big Dig. Then we've got Moria, M-O-O-R-E-A. I'm not going to bother spelling all this stuff, folks. It's in the show notes. But anyway, Moria is from DLP Games and designer Reiner Stockhausen, the designer of Orléans. Uh, Reiner Stockhausen has been definitely gaining in my esteem year after year as he has been just putting out, kind of kind of quietly and unbeknownst to the rest of the industry, a really solid collection of game designs. Uh, Orléans, of course, uh, struck it big, and then based off of that, Altiplano got a lot of attention. But, you know, I'm thinking of some of her, his older games, including Siberia, the card game, which Jen and I absolutely adore. This looks like it's a smaller little card game, maybe along the lines of that. Set collection card game, uh, commodity trading type stuff. I don't really know, but again, Reiner has been doing such great work that I'm not worried, so Moria is definitely on my list of things to check out and probably just buy sight unseen, really. But if we move on, we next up have Cosmic Factory. Why is this on the list? Two words. Kane Klenko, which is actually a name. Designer Kane Klenko, again, he is on fire. Uh, you know, I really became aware of him with Fuse, although I'd also played Dead Men Tell No Tales and Flatline. I mean, the, the guy can do no wrong. A covert, really sharp design after sharp design, and every time he does new and interesting stuff, he does not repeat himself at all. And this is a real-time dexterity puzzle game. That's something you don't see every day. So I am definitely interested in that. Uh, you know, I'd be interested in the subject matter anyway. Uh, you know, trying to in real time build your perfect solar system. But the fact that it came from Kane Clayco means I'm very, very interested in Cosmic Factory. Then you've got Okavongo. Oh yeah, folks. Michael Kiesling, Wolfgang Kramer. <laughs> Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer, when they get together, they make magic. And so I have very, very high hopes for their latest uh, collaboration, a tile laying game about trying to keep endangered animals safe uh, in the African savanna. 
or in the Okavango, which Jen and I have actually been to in real life. So I, I will actually have an even greater interest in the game because of the subject matter, and it'll help let us think back to how amazing and awesome that vacation was when we went on safari. But even if we'd never been on safari, I'd want to check this out because of Kingsling and Kramer. When they get together, they make such beautiful, pure, elegant designs. I always am excited to see what they cook up. And so, what do we got? We got some Okavango. Next up, there is The Great City of Rome. From uh, Matt Dunstan and Brett Gilbert. Still, these two guys' height of success in design has to be Elysium, which is absolutely amazing. And while they've both been working on other games, you know, together and separate, nothing's quite gotten as good as Elysium. But the Great City of Rome, from reading this relatively vague description, uh, sounds like it might be getting there. It is a, a card drafting game where you have to put your cards into a 4x4 grid, and that represents the Roman part of the city that you are building, but you run it like an engine. I can imagine that being pretty spectacular. Really tight, constricted uh, rules for how we can deploy stuff, trying to get things in the right place to run well. Fingers crossed, very excited for the great city of Rome. Although apparently Board Game Geek isn't because it rates so low. Although it's interesting, a lot of these games might do better with the fact that they weren't well listed twice because this is one of those ones where, oh, I've listed the English edition, maybe the German edition rates higher based off thumbs, off the hotness. I don't know. Let's keep moving, though, to Sengal, Sengal, uh, Sengal, Sengal Gang Demai. Dem- yeah. I, I, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. It is apparently Indonesian design. Here's why I'm interested. It's actually Slicker Drips. I hadn't really noticed it before until Slicker Drips talked about it. And I'm super keen on the subject matter. This is a cooperative game of neighborhood management where we're just trying to make sure all these neighbors get along and deal with um, you know, real social problems that come up has nothing to do with saving the world from aliens or running businesses or something like that. Instead, it's just trying to make sure all these different personalities in a neighborhood can coexist peacefully. That is an intriguing idea to me. And that, based on that alone, because I don't know the designer, I don't know the publisher, I don't know much about the gameplay, but the subject matter is very attractive. Sengal, Seng, Sengal, Sengal, Gangdamai. Okay, and then after that, okay, this is a big deal. Honga, which is spelled, which is spelled funny, but I think it's supposed to be caveman speak for hunger. We we got the Honga to play Honga. This is from designer Gunter Burkhart. And was it last year or the year before he gave us Ulm, which was uh, in my t- easy, uh, Easily in my top 10 of that year. I think it was last year. And before that, he collaborated with Michael Kiesling to give us Sealand. So those are two absolutely amazing designs. And off the strength of that, I am definitely interested in his new design, uh, which is tile placement and worker placement, Honga. It's prehistoric. Apparently we're going to be putting tiles down in the Stone Age. I don't know. Gunter Burkhart, you have earned my interest based off of Ulm and Sealand. So Honga is worth seeking out. Now this one... I can speak with a bit more confidence because I have played it and I've done a run-through for it. Ruthless. This is a deck builder set in an uh, era of high seas uh, pirates. Yo-ho and a bottle of rum type stuff. This game really blew me and Jen away. And I went in nervous about it because it does feature a little bit of take that. 
I knew there were special variant rules you could use to take the take that out, but I didn't think they were very good. So we went ahead and played with the take that, and the gameplay is so good that it turned out for us it's a keeper in spite of that. Really sharp, really flips the script on a lot of standard deck building tropes. Definitely worth your time. Brilliant stuff. Again, check out my run through to find out more though about Ruthless. Next up, another deck builder, Legendary Encounters, The X-Files. Now, my experience with Legendary is playing the when it first came out for Marvel. And I've always wanted to try the Legendary Encounters games. I think there was an Alien one and some other subject matter as well, because those ones are designed from the ground up to be cooperative, whereas regular Legendary games are semi-cooperative. And, you know, that just didn't really... Ultimately, Jen kind of had a problem with that. So... Well, hey, we love X-Files. We watched it to death back when it was originally on the air. I have to admit, I'm a little nervous about this because the re the, the, the new two seasons of X-Files have kind of turned Jen off of the adventures of Fox and Mulder, or Fox and Scully. Mulder and Scully. Um, you know, Fox and Dana. Ah, oh, folks, I'm so tired. Sorry. Anyway, though, the legendary system is good. The X-Files is good. Cooperative is good. So I am interested in Legendary Encounters, The X-Files. I don't know if it'll work out for us, um, but definitely would be something I'd want to check out. And then after that, we've got Dicium, which is interesting because it comes with really cool-looking custom dice. um, And it also comes with, if I recall correctly... Four, let me check, yeah, four completely different games in the box. Four totally separate designs that you can play using these very, very cool Dicium dice. There is a competitive race game, a cooperative dungeon crawl, a competitive civilization game, and a, an asymmetric war game. All four radically different styles of game driven by these same very, very cool, interesting dice. That is cool sounding. I'm always very interested whenever uh, somebody can really impress me with it with a cool new idea. And uh, so I want to see how well um, Yochaim Thome and Geek Attitude Games pulls it off with Dicium. Then we've got Catalyst. Okay, this is another good one. Uh, I've played it, we've run through it, and uh, it's just super duper sharp, fun, fast. In theory, it has some kind of post apocalypse setting, but it's really. It's a pretty abstract game, but it's a very, very sharp engine-building game as well. And if you want to know more, you can check out my run-through for Catalyst. Then, then we have got Now Boarding from Tim Fowers. I did a run-through for this when it was on Kickstarter. Really, really sharp, real-time, cooperative game of trying to make sure the right passengers get to the right cities via the right airlines. Super sharp, super funny, and quirky, and charming. And it just goes to show, Tim Fowers is awesome at real-time cooperative designs. Hence, why I said earlier, I wanted to revisit Walkstar, also from Tim Fowers. So, now boarding, it looks great, it plays great. Uh, We really love the prototype. I'd really love to check out the final. Then, we have got Claim Kingdoms. Uh, this is another one I don't know much about. It is from, oh, uh, Scott Alms, Mr. Tiny Epic. So that gets me interested because I don't always love his designs, but they're always worth checking out, I think. And it's a sequel to a surprise 
kind of sleeper hit that came out last year called Claim, which was a two-player-only trick-taking game. And I kind of regret not checking it out now because I've heard nothing but great things about it ever since it came out last year. Anyway, publisher White Goblin Games, they are doubling down on the Claim universe and are creating a new card game with, with very... Or no, because this isn't even a card game. This is a tile-laying game uh, with area control and area influence. And so... I, I'm interested because of Scott Alms. I'm interested because I heard the prequel was really, really good. But I'll be honest, the main reason I'm interested is because it's full of art by the Miko, who is one of my favorite board game artists. If you've seen his art, then you probably love it too. And if you don't, then I don't know what's wrong with you, but this is why I would be interested in checking out Claim Kingdoms. And after that, Tim Powers is back. Uh, of course, uh, you know his games rank differently in the hotnesses, which is why they're not all together. But hey... Turns out Hardback is an awesome deck builder crossed with Scrabble style word game. It's the sequel to Paperback. And while and the ultimately I think Paperback was the right game for us, we really liked Hardback as well. I really changed things up and showed like a whole different way to do word games out of deck building. Really sharp, fun stuff, hardback. Then we've got Deckscape, the mystery of El Dorado. Oh yeah, Deckscape to this day is still. My favorite escape room in your home game series. And in fact, I uh, just did a video. Has it gone up yet? If it hasn't, it's going up soon. I just did a little rundown for the latest one, Heist in Venice, which, as I very strongly stated, was, for our money, the best escape room at home experience we've ever had. So you better believe I'm super excited for the next one, Mystery of El Dorado. Will this series keep getting better and better and better? I don't know, but I want to find out. After that, Skylands, which was a very, very cool worker placement game from Queen Games uh, that I did a run-through for when it was on Kickstarter. Uh, you can go check out my uh, video for that uh, because yeah, it was very, very sharp. Um, should I call it a worker placement? Yeah, I'm going to call it a worker placement, uh, you know, even though it's not officially. It, it's close enough. Um, but we're building or you know, we're, we're reconstituting islands in the sky. Really sharp puzzly tiling thing, trying to get everything in position, trying to leverage your workers to best ability. A lot of stuff going on in a very, very fun, uh, gorgeous-looking game, Skylines. Then, why is this not higher, folks? Why are there only 44 thumbs for Pandemic 10th Anniversary Edition? Sure, I don't need this. In fact, even if I had it, I don't know if I'd use it because I'm not sure. It's it's basically basic pandemic with really, really super duper pimped out components to celebrate the 10 year anniversary of the game, which is definitely, um, you know, a hooray for that. Congratulations, pandemic. Congratulations, Matt Leacock and Z Man Games for making one of the most popular and successful board games of all time, or at least of, you know, the last decade. Uh, it's certainly our favorite game. We owe everything to it. And so I definitely want to check it out because, of course, it's going to be a big, lavish production. But the big question is, will it be compatible with everything that's come before? I'm not sure. It might. I guess it depends on what the card backs look like, right? I don't know, but I love Pandemic too much. I gotta get the 10th Anniversary Edition. Gotta. And hey, Tim Fowers is back again with Fugitive. See, this has been available for a while. So I don't know why this is on the list. I really feel like I shouldn't be putting these on the list for these games that have been around for a long time, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to question Eric Martin. I will defer to his wisdom in these uh, regards, but you can check out the run-through I did for it when it was on Kickstarter. Super-duper smart, clever... Um, 
game of hide-and-seek, I guess. One player is the fugitive um, playing cards, trying to stay ahead of the marshal who's hunting them down. Both players are effectively playing radically different games because of what they're trying to do, and it's just super sharp, super smart. Uh, actually, you check out that run-through, you get to see Jen because she joined me as I tried to hunt her down in every outhouse, hen house, smokehouse, bathhouse. I don't remember what they all are, but you get the idea for fugitive. Then... Here's another one that I've already done a run-through for when it was on Kickstarter, and it was super-duper sharp. Chronicles of Frost. Very, very neat little competitive uh, fantasy adventure racing game in the, um, what's it called, the Mistfall universe from publisher NSK and Games. And it was so sharp. Really clever. Tons of replayability. A lot of game with just a little deck of cards and some tokens. Check out my run-through to see why, but Jen and I were both super-duper impressed uh, with Chronicles of Frost. It's also getting some an expansion as well. I'll talk about that when we get to the expansions, though. Oh, and speaking of games, they're also getting expansion. Fog of Love. Hey, it came out last year, um, but it's on the list because Eric Martin said it should be on the list. I think because he says uh, he put it on here because it's a new discounted bundle with Fog of Love plus three expansions. Hey, everybody, expansions for Fog of Love are coming out, and you can get them all in one big discounted bundle. So check out my run-through to see why. This is an amazing and important cooperative game where players are trying to navigate the ups and downs, the pitfalls, the highs and lows of a romantic relationship. It is romantic sitcom, the board game, and it delivers on that promise. It's so sharp and so smart. Fog of Love. Spring Meadow. Hey, here's actually something new. The third game from Uwe Rosenberg's trilogy of Tetris, Polyomino, Tile Layers, and like I said in the recent run-through I did for it, he saved the best for last. This game just Barely missed making my top 10. It is so good. Jen and I have been super blown away by it. It might be our new favorite tile-laying polyomino Tetris-style game. That might still go to Baron Park. I'm not sure. But I think Spring Meadow might eclipse all of them. It is so good. Watch my run-through to see why. Next up, Tribes. And this was surprising to me. Tribes is coming back. I did a run-through for this when it was on Kickstarter. And I think it came out last year. Um, But... It's a super smart little tech tree game. That's its main thing. It's a civilization game that focuses predominantly on the tech tree and not on the conquering terrain. You know, all that stuff is abstracted out. No, actually, that's not true. There is an abstract or a, a, a terrain conquering portion to it as well. But really, the heart and soul of it is the tech tree technologies leading to more technologies leading to more technologies. It's very, very sharp. Jen, I really enjoyed it, but I guess it didn't do very well because. The presentation was a bit spare and utilitarian. A lot of people said, I'm not playing that. It's ugly as all get out. Well, it's been picked up for wider printing distribution from Cosmos, and it looks like it's gotten a total facelift. So hopefully that will get it on more tables because it deserves it. Tribes from the designer of Nations, one of my top 10 favorite games of all time. But then let's move on to Paper Tales. This is another one. I did a run-through for it. It officially launched last year, but it's second edition warranted getting listed. So, hey... Paper Tales is a very, very cool uh, card drafting game. You know, think of Seven Wonders style with a bunch of really neat systems and a lot of replayability. And it's gotten a lot of publisher support. It's getting um, expansions galore. It is definitely worth seeking out. Check out my run through to see why Paper Tales. 
Another one I've done a video for, hooray, although I don't know if you can see this yet, because I, I don't know if I've made it live or if I'm doing it tomorrow, but regardless, Sunflower Valley is super sweet and charming. It is another roll and write. Um where we are trying to create rail networks to sh uh, to uh, but also fields of sunflowers and building homes and what was it oh sheep sheep which have to be it's got a lot of cool stuff. It's a simple, light little game, and it's a dice drafting game as well. And the dice drafting creates some very tense, very agonizing decisions as you build your own little Sunflower Valley. Really sharp. Liked it a lot. Then there is Factory Funner. Did a run-through for this a few years ago. Uh, we're getting the Multilingual 2nd Edition. I'm very happy for that because, man, this game deserves more love. It is such a sharp, smart, <laughs> clever tile-laying game. Although, I mean, I don't know. I guess I can see why some people say it's better in electronic form because you can play. Just do a search on Google right now for Factory Funner online. You can play this right now. The developer has put up a little online version you can play solo. Gives you a really good idea. Don't trust my run-through. Play it for yourself, and you'll see just how much fun Factory Funner is. And then, oh, uh, so remember I said right up front, I'm not going to do any German-only? Or no, I didn't say that. Did I? Oh, right, no, that's right. I said I was not going to do German releases of games that have been out for a while. But I will do a few things that are German-only. And uh, one of them is Roll for Adventure from Cosmos because Cosmos hates uh, English speakers and English readers and they only release their stuff in German until Thames Cosmos comes along later and does something with it. But this is uh, Matt Dunson and Brett Gilbert again uh, working, you know, and again, Elysium is so good, I will always pay attention when they get together. And if they're getting together to make a cooperative game, which I think is a first for them, I'm not sure about that, I'd have to check. But um, it's a cooperative game that features a lot of dice rolling for adventure um, in a fantasy universe. Yeah, I'm there. And hopefully it's language independent, because it's just dice and icons, so that we can actually play the thing. Otherwise, who will I have to wait who knows how long for Roll for Adventure? Phew! Okay, folks, I'm going to take a breather for a second. It looks like I'm almost halfway through, but my throat is so dry. I gotta go and get a glass of water. I'll be back in just a second, so hold on. Hey everybody, welcome back. My throat is a little bit less parched, but I'm a soldier on. Essen will not wait. So, let's continue with the countdown and talk about Tales of Glory. I'll be honest, I don't know much about this. The cover art is very striking, very evocative. It's a fantasy game. It's yet another game that does a terrible, terrible job of selling itself in terms of the description on BoardGameGeek. But there was one thing that caught my eye. and It talks about how your goal here is to basically describe the life story of an adventuring hero over the course of 10 rounds. And you end up, what you draft for, I guess, the tiles or the cards ends up representing different chapters of his life. That's intriguing. I, that pulls me in. I wish they would have talked a bit more about that instead of just kind of mentioning it, the, the fact that there is a, quote, path of life. Uh, that, focus on that, describer, writer, person. Oh, they just never do a good job. But that sounds intriguing. The art looks great. That's not enough for me to 
to buy it sight unseen, but I'd be interested in learning more about Tales of Glory. Then you've got Scorpius Freighter, which I know all about because I've already filmed a run-through for. This is a very, very sharp triple rondelle game from uh, Matt Dunson and David Short, an interesting combination of designers. And it's good. It's really, really good. Jen and I were super impressed. Combo-tastic, um, you know, really satisfying, and very, very puzzly. Really sharp as you customize your uh, your ship that you build up over the course of the game. Your your space freighter piracy ship, I should say, or smuggling ship, and uh, you know, and very very cool. Starting out with drafting to build your perfect crew, and which gives you, it, like I said, I think in my run through, it had almost an Agricola feel. Not in terms of it being a you know an agrarian simulation in medieval Europe, but that sense of hey, this is what I drafted for at the beginning of the game, and uh, this helps me define what my game is going to play like and evolve. And we liked it. We liked it a, quite a bit. It was a lot of fun. Scorpius Freighter, and then there is. Fine Sand. Fine Sand. A game of competitive sandcastle building. And it's from Friedman Freeze. And I keep checking out his stuff because more often than not, Friedman's games don't work for me and Jen. And I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't work. But I am always so impressed by the cleverness and creativity he brings uh, to his latest game that starts with a letter F. This is another one of the, I think this is a fabled one. Where, uh, yeah, in addition to a stack of starting cards, uh, pre-stored, yeah, it's it's one where you kind of play through session after session after session and watch the game evolve. That was very very cool in Fable Fruit. That was neat, even if the game itself wasn't very good for two. I hope that Fine Sand is good for two. I'm definitely intrigued though because it's a deck builder, and man, Jen loved Copycat, which was another deck builder from him. So he did a good job there. We'll definitely be interested in finding out how well he did with fine sand. Then there is Roll for the Top. A very, very cool, simple, abstract-ish roll and write that I did a run-through for when it was on Kickstarter last year. I guess it's uh, going wide now, and uh, with good reason. It deserves it. Roll to the Top. Carson City the Card Game is up next, and oh my gosh, this is great, great stuff. I just put a run-through up last week, so I won't spend too much time, but it is, what is it? I think you have to play through 18 rounds. Each round is a blind-bidded auction to get cards that you use to build up your own little Old West territory, and... If you just told me that's what it was, I would run screaming because that sounds terrible. Blind bidding is one of our least favorite mechanisms, but it works so well here. Uh, But again, watch my run through to find out why I think that. Then there is the Tramways Engineer Workbook, which, again, I've already covered. You can check out my run through when it was on Kickstarter. And this is a really interesting thing. This is a, it's predominantly a solo experience. It is a workbook of page after page after page of puzzle. And those puzzles remind me, in no uncertain terms, of the old classic uh, NES games like uh, Adventures of Lolo and Kickle Cubicle. You know, games where you have a layout, you have to figure out, right, with only a certain number of moves, how am I going to get all the right things into all the right places? The interesting thing here is the puzzles are driven by the gameplay of Tramways, which was a very, very cool deck builder, which I've also covered. This is a really neat um, experience, but it's kind of hard to describe. We check out the run-through to see why we were very, very impressed by Tramways Engineer Rulebook. Then, hey, 
It's Stone Age, the 10th anniversary edition. Hooray! Uh, although apparently it's only available in German, but that's okay because Stone Age has always been language independent, so I would definitely seek it out because it has a whole new board, which is very, very cool. You can flip the board over and there's a Winter Wonderland. It changes things up. Stone Age definitely deserves its place in the pantheon of modern de classic designer board games. And so I'm very, very excited to see what they have done with the 10th anniversary edition. Okay, then there is Rollin' Ranch. Rolling Ranch, which, I don't know, it's another Roll and Write game where you're building a ranch and it has cute cover art. That's it. That's all I got. Sounds cool. Uh, you know, Roll and Writes, I mean, it's designers kind of can't go wrong. I mean, it, it's it's kind of hard to make a bad one. So I expect good things. Oh, next up. Oh, I am very embarrassed to put this one, but I'm going to put it on anyway. The Forgotten City. Why? Because this looks maybe like some of the most beautiful, gorgeous, evocative board game cover art I've ever seen. That's the only reason I'm putting it on this list. It is a worker placement euro style game where we are um, building up a city. So that's cool, too. Can't really tell anything about it because, once again, it's a terrible description to get... Oh, I, I gotta stop repeating myself. It's a problem, um, Gordian Publishers. There's an easy solution for this. But uh, not like any of them are listening anyway. So anyway, sorry, folks. All I know is The Forgotten City looks gorgeous. It is so pretty. I would have to go check it out and learn more if I were at the show. Which, again, sadly, I am not. Say la vie. Let's move on to Hokkaido. This one made the list because it's basically the sequel to Honshu. I think it's the same basic thing of getting cards and trying to pile them and stack them together to score points, but it replaces the auctiony, trick-taking-esque nature of how you get those cards with some new system. I don't really know. All I know is Jen loved Honshu so much that I would be remiss not to check out its sequel, Hokkaido, even if I suspect Carson City the Card Game beats both of them because it's so good, and we already have it. But anyway, let's move on. Next up, we've got Gingerbread House. I'm very stoked for this. From Phil Walker-Harding working with Lookout Games, the last time these two got together, they gave us a game I mentioned a little while ago, Baron Park, which I'm still trying to decide if it is the best Tetris-style tile tile-laying game out there. It might be. But just the fact that it is in contention for being the best one of all time means, hey, if they get together and they do something else, I'm interested. Now we're building gingerbread houses, and you're still uh, you know, laying stuff out to try and make patterns and whatnot. But unlike Baron Park, where it's a 2D game, I think this is a 3D game where we're stacking cubes on top of each other. So I'm even more interested in gingerbread house. Next up... Crisis at Steamfall, which is a very, very cool steampunk adventure game that has got to be one of the coolest character leveling up systems I've ever seen, or character customization. The way that you, over the course of the game, as you get more and more experience points, get more and more abilities to apply to your character, but you have to mix and match them with other abilities, and... Oh, I'm not doing a very good job. I'm not doing a good job of explaining why these things are cool. So how dare I complain if uh, writers don't. But I don't have to. That's why I filmed a video, folks. Go watch the run-through and see why we were very impressed by Crisis at Steamfall. Next up, The Boldest. This is another one. It's kind of hard to get a sense for it. Even though it's interesting, this one has a really, really long description. And yet, it fails to do the most important thing a description needs to do, which is explain why it's special. Um, 
Why is it special to me? Why is it on the list? Because it's from designer Sophia Wagner, whose first design came out last year. Uh, what was it? Oh, Noria. And Noria had an absolutely brilliant core gameplay mechanism that we really liked. These spinning discs that were embedded within other spinning discs and you tried to line them up with each other is so cool. The game itself didn't work for us because it just didn't have enough meat on the bone. Too much of, I believe, her original design got stripped out to make the game streamlined and more user-friendly, which is a shame. I'm hoping that mistake doesn't happen again and we get the full Sophia this time. Um, but I'm also interested because apparently it's a uh, programming game. Uh, you know, movement programming, like, uh, what do you call it? Oh, I can't think of it. Um... Oh, I can't think of it. Robo Rally, yeah, uh, which I love. Well, Jen and I, we love programming board games. You know, where you have to in secret decide, program. Here's all the moves I'm going to make, and then everybody reveals at the same time, and you see what happens. That is a really great core mechanism. Sophia really impressed us last year with Noria, even if the game wasn't for us. So I'm interested. I am down for the boldest. Next up, we have Walking in Burano, and well, I could say. This is on the list because Jen loved the one time we visited Burano in real life. It was it was like the highlight of our trip to Venice. Venice was amazing, but Jen's favorite thing was not Venice, but the nearby Burano with all its wonderfully painted houses. And she still remembers it to this day. That's not why it's here, though. It's here because this is um, one of several games that publisher Emperor S4 is bringing out. And while I have not gotten a chance to see Walking in Burano, even though they said they were going to send me a copy so I could get filmed in time for the show, it didn't show up in time. But the two games that did, which I will be talking about later on because they're higher up on the list, were both so good that I was so impressed that I'm assuming Walking in Burano will be something worth checking out as well. Hence, it's on the list. But I don't know much about it. It's card drafting, territory building, card game. But I know it'll be pretty, because Burano is pretty. After that, though, we've got Smartphone Inc., and I do know this is good. This might be my new favorite modern-day business simulation, because this is a game where we are running smartphone companies. And while I think they kind of missed a trick, it would have been great to kind of delve a little bit into kind of the dark side, you know, the, the environmental impact and problems that, um, you know, our rampant uh, smartphone usage is getting, but they don't touch on that at all. Instead, it's just all about logistics. There's literally a logistics action in this game. It's called logistics! How can we not love a game where we can take a logistics action? It's all about su meeting supply and demand, um, you getting your product to market and innovating with cool new technologies and it has an amazing presentation. It looks absolutely gorgeous and is really really rock solid good fun. Smartphone Inc. Then after that uh, after going from a game I have played and I can confirm is awesome, we go to one where I suspect awesomeness uh, uh, Cerebria uh, Cerebria, the card game which is the latest from publisher Mind Clash. And this is interesting, because Mind Clash, starting with Trickerian, and then Anachrony, and then Cerebria last year, have really set themselves up as the publisher that makes ridiculously complex, over-engineered, um, you know, everything-in-the-kitchen-sink-thrown-in super designs that are deep, rich Euros. They're just, you know... An embarrassment of riches in terms of every single you know gameplay element you could think of gets thrown in. Uh, I you know and we really liked Trickerian and Anachrony. 
Cerebria, though, we never tried because it was an area control game and it looked a little bit too cutthroat. So I was kind of sad we didn't get to give it a go. It's basically, um, you know, exploring the dreamscape, I guess, kind of a thing. Uh, getting fragments of dreams, that kind of thing. Looked cool, looked gorgeous, in fact, with neat little minis, but we didn't try it because of the area control. But I still want to try it, and now that it's out here in card game format, maybe it'll be a better fit for us instead of like a big, heavy, long, involved area control game. But I don't know. But why I'm also interested is because, like I said, Mind Clash is not known. In fact, I mean, it's kind of their core brand proposition. We do big, heavy, elaborate games. We don't do little, the card game versions of our games. So what prompted them to do this? Maybe that means it's really something special. That's why it's on the list. Cerebria the card game. And then after that, okay, something I do know is special, Steamrollers. Another phenomenal roll and write, uh, you know, making networks of train lines. Really clever stuff. I, I, gosh, I ran through this over a year ago, didn't I? So this is another one where, oh, it's getting its second edition, so it makes a list, even though it's been in print forever. Seek it out. It's been hard to get up till now. They only had very, very small print runs, I know. But it deserves a lot of love. I think, I'm trying to remember, I did my top 10 rolling rights. Was it my number one? I, it might not have been, but it was, it was in like my top two or three. It's that good. Steamrollers. Then there is A Thief's Fortune, which is basically... Um, Oh, I want to say Aladdin. You know, Disney's Aladdin because you kind of play a, a an Aladdin-esque street rat, you know, trying to get by. But that's not what it is. This is really Prince of Persia, the card game. Because uh, the, the setting is you've gotten a magical time glass that lets you rewind time and try things over and over again. That's the core setting put into a Seven Wonders style card drafting game. It is super sharp, super fun, great art, and just an overall really solid package. Ran through it when it was on Kickstarter check a few months ago. Check that out. But Thieves' Fortune, good, good stuff from Artipia Games. And then after that, we've got Spy Club. Wow, this really surprised me. This is a game that cast players in the role of a Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, kids trying to solve a mystery situation while still going to school and all that kind of thing. It's actually fairly abstract. I expect it to be a slightly stronger storytelling, but the gameplay is really kind of pandemic-style set collection with the world traversal taken out. So it's just all about you know trying to work cooperatively with your fellow players to get the right set of cards, to get them into play, to solve a series of mysteries. The core game is good. I'm not going to say it's amazing, but it's a good, solid little cooperative game. But what makes this special is it comes with a deck of, I think, 400 cards that introduce 40 different variants that get slowly seeded into the game in unpredictable ways because you play through a campaign. And every time you play, you're going to get you're going to go through a campaign that unlocks different story chapters that let you play this in different ways. It's so sharp, it's so smart, and the core game is good, but it's elevated to something really special with this... this um, I want to call it legacy, but it's not, because you don't destroy anything. You just play through the campaign. After you're done, you play again. You get a completely different campaign, but it's super sharp, super fun Spy Club. If you ever dreamed of solving mysteries like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy 2, it's worth seeking out. After that, Passing Through Petra, the latest game from Renegade. And uh, I don't know much about it, other than the fact it's from the designer of 
Sentient, which was fantastic. Jen and I love that. Also from Renegade Studios. So just based on that, that was such a beautiful, pure, puzzly little Euro. I'm expecting great things from passing through Petra. I know it's tile laying where the tiles are put in a queue and you push the tiles to represent the merchants going through the Petra Valley, I guess. Something like that. I don't know. Sentient was great. And therefore, I expect good things from passing through Petra. After that, oh, here's another one I played and uh, filmed. And if you haven't seen the video, you will be seeing it shortly. Shadows Amsterdam. This is Codenames meets Mysterium. Or Codenames meets Dixit. Or Dixit meets Mysterium. And it's super duper cool. Really enjoy this one a lot. One player is the is the clue giver, trying to give out you know abstracted art cards that everybody else has to use to try to get into the clue giver's mind to figure out what were they saying with this because they're using those clues to travel around an abstracted map of Amsterdam to solve crimes. It's very very cool. And if you play it only as a two-player game, it's a cooperative where you actually download an app or you just get a timer to race against time instead of racing against other teams of players. All that stuff's very nice. There is one problem with it, though. And that is the fact that it is real-time. And I think so many potential players who would find this to be an incredible experience just won't give it the time of day because of the real-time nature. The the developers, they really miss a trick. They should have come with a variant to be able to play it turn-based. But... Uh, we don't mind because we like real-time games. And this is a very, very sharp, fun one. Great, great uh, game. Tough to play because imagine playing Dixit in real time. That's what you're up against. Trying to figure out the best clue while your your opponent, either the timer in a two-player co-op or three-player co-op, or your other team are going faster than you. Sharp stuff. And gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Shadows, Amsterdam. Then there is uh, Futuropia. I already talked a little bit ago about a little, what was it, Fine Sand? Uh, just a cute little fable game from Friedman Freeze. And it seems like for the last years, he's just been ba- banging out cute little game after cute little game. This is him going back to his roots. This is him giving us a big, sprawling game like Power Grid. I'm not saying this is going to be as good as Power Grid. Don't know, haven't played it, but I definitely want to check it out. Uh, Particularly because I'm so in love with the theme. This is set in a uh, post-scarcity society where all of humanity's basic needs are meant. And so, uh, human worth is not measured by what their job is, but how much personal satisfaction and fulfillment they find in their lives. And that's what we're trying to do. Set up systems that allow people to live their best lives. That is awesome. That is the real future of humanity. I know it's kind of hard to see in uh, you know these kind of cynical times we're living through, but we are on the road, folks, and Futuropia, I'm looking forward to it, if no other reason, just to remind myself of that. Okay. After that, oh, hey, here's one of those Emperor S4 games I was talking about earlier. Discovery, the Era of Voyage, which is a sweet, charming, lovely little rondelle game of sailing around, picking up, and delivering goods. Normally not something Jan and I are fans of, but this one works so well. And it was, I mean, it's... It's one of those games that does an amazing amount with very, very little. It's almost a micro game, but it's super sharp and super fun. Really like it. You'll see that video soon if you haven't already for Discovery, the Era of Voyage. And then, ooh, another one from DLP Games. Although this one is not designed by Reiner Stockhausen, it is Manitoba. And it is on the list 
because DLP Games keeps on putting out good game after good game. And so I expect this to be good. It's interesting, there's been a lot of controversy about this one because, unfortunately, the German developers of DLP, Reiner included, did not really do very much due diligence in studying the uh, the Native American culture that they're trying to emulate here. And so there are a lot of folks who are up in arms. That, why, you know, why even set it, base it? I think it's uh, based on the Cree Nation. Why even do that if you're not going to actually... If you're going to put stuff that's completely out of place. I get that, and I think that is a shame. If people were to ask what side I come down on, I definitely come down on the, yeah, let's, if you're, if you're going to try to replicate a culture, just do the extra work. It's, it's not going to kill you to do it. Um, but by the same token, if they didn't do it, it won't prevent me from playing a game and enjoying it. So I guess I'm kind of on the fence there a little bit. But I am definitely want to check out Manitoba solely because DLP have been on a tear for the last few years. After that, though, we've got um, uh, Scarabia. Scarabia. Scarabia? I don't know. It is uh, Ludovic Malblanc and Bruno Cathala. Very, very popular and successful design duo. Bringing out a cute little family-friendly gateway-style game. And, uh, yeah. From the descriptions, it sounds like it might be a little bit brain-burnery. You know, one of these tile-laying games where you have to lay your tiles with very, very strict restrictions. That's, I think, what Jen and I love about board gaming more than anything else. When a board game really squeezes us and makes us sweat as we try to work within the narrow confines it's given us to be successful, it looks like it'll be very pretty. These are good designers. And so I'm cautiously optimistic, but apparently a lot of people are much more so than me because it's in the top 30% of hotness. Scarabia. Scarabia. After that, we've got another one of these games that's been around forever, but it's on the list, so I will say nothing but good things about Kanban Driver's Edition, which is the second edition of Kanban. Apparently, nothing really changes about the game, except for the board is now two-sided, because apparently a lot of people had a hard time with the board being too busy and tough to follow. Me, personally, I thought the board design was brilliant, but the developers have taken feedback, they've made a new version of it, so you can play with the original board design or the other one that I think kind of desaturates the board so that the iconography pops more so it's maybe a little bit easier to play. I support this wholeheartedly. I also support more love for Kanban, a really super sharp worker placement game set in you know an automobile factory. Crazy heavy, crazy complex. But what else would you expect from Desider Vito Lasarda? After that, we have got Reef. Oh yeah. This is basically the follow-up to the monstrously popular Azul from last year. New designer... Uh, actually, a designer who's very hot and up and coming, Emerson Matsuchi, who has definitely had some hits on his hands recently. This is a pure abstract game of laying down these gorgeous plastic pieces to build up a lovely reef and score points. It's interesting, though. Uh, again, you'll see my video for it soon if you haven't already. And I've talked briefly there. That was kind of disappointing. It didn't have to be abstract. There is actually a perfect theme that could be layered into it. And so, while it is officially abstract, I choose to think it's not abstract, which is why I enjoy it. It's a great puzzly game. Watch for my video soon, although there's plenty of other people covering it, too. Because, like Azul before it, this is going to be a monster hit. Mark my words. And then, we have Arhayal. I covered this a few months ago. Oh, is this the best Tetris tiling game on the market now? Okay, folks, it's a three-way race. Three-way race between Arhayal, Baron Park, and Spring Meadow. 
There can be only one. I have not figured out which one is the best yet, but this is a super sharp... It's another Tetris game that borrows... I mean, this is probably as close as you can get to capturing the frenetic excitement of real Tetris. I know, I know, there's fits and whatnot, but no, this one goes above and beyond. It does some really clever stuff. But if you want to know what that is, you can go check out my video. And after that, oh, hey, once again, DLP is back in the saddle with... How do you say this? Val Valparizo. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. DLP. I've already talked. They're on a tear. Um, even though they were producing good stuff before this, Orleans really put them on the map, made them a publisher to watch. Uh, but it's not just DLP that's interesting to me in Valparizo. It's the Malts. I think they're brothers, maybe they're father and son. Stefan and Louis Maltz have been very quietly producing really, really solid designs for the last few years. And one of the most impressive designs of theirs was the um, the sadly overlooked Edo, which was a brilliant programming game. I mentioned earlier how much Jan and I really love programming in games. And Edo is a great, great example of it. And this is a programming game as well. So, interested, I think it's programming. From reading the rule, the description, it sounded like it was, but it doesn't say it is. That's weird. Anyway, the malts, the maltzes, they're worth checking out. DLP games is worth checking out. So Valparaiso is worth checking out. And I guess Board Game Geek agrees with me because now I'm getting up into the higher realms of the hotness thumbs. And after that one, we've got Planet. That's the title, Planet from Blue Orange Games, which means it's going to be another very light, breezy, charming gateway family-friendly game. Maybe it's going to be too light for us, but I love the theme of, you know, basically being responsible for helping, or for basically taking a planet from just a lifeless rock and watching it thrive as we uh, lay our tiles to work well with each other and, you know, get all kinds of microclimates and stuff like that in there. Love the idea. Blue Orange Games makes beautiful, rock-solid designs, even if they, and I hope this one won't be too light for us. It might be, but it is worth checking out Planet, I think. And after that, oh, honestly, just the cover art and the title of this alone get me interested in A4 Quest, which, uh, it, it, for those who don't know, A4 is a size of paper that you can put in your printer. And so originally, I guess this was a uh, print and play that somebody put out. A way that you can have a whole big dungeon-crawling fantasy adventure game just on a single sheet of paper. Um, and apparently, it was so good that it has now been picked up by Board and Dice for a uh, you know a full, proper, professional publishing job. So I'm interested in it, but I you know I I love it because you know your quest just fits on one on one A4 sheet. You can print it out and go. I don't know. With this, will we actually need to print out, or will it come with sheets? I'm not sure. But I know I should just go and download it right now because I could be planning and playing this right now instead of talking to you folks. But if I was going to be doing anything, I'd go back to form... Uh, 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 anyway, sorry. Uh, A4 Quest looks cheeky, looks fun. Don't know much more about it, but I'm interested. I do know more about the next one because I have already done my video for Fertility, which is a lovely, super sharp, super smart, very tense, uh, and very exciting tile laying game. You're laying down domino tiles, you know, that have two halves, and you're working in a communal area. I have to admit, that's something that often doesn't work for me and Jen. We prefer to 
play in our own little back lot on our own boards as we build. But here, whatever you put down is creating opportunities for me to build off of that. But this game doesn't really have a mean bone in its body. It's very live and let live with all kinds of really cool, exciting options that are constantly coming up. And it's gorgeous, and it's just tight, 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 and super fast and very fun fertility. Okay, oh, and hey, here's the third one. I mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. Emperor S4. They did a good job with Realm of Sand, which is a very... Hey, it's another Tetris Polyomino style of tiling game. This one is not going to make best of all time. It is not in a three-way tie for best, but it is still really, really good. Uh, Jen and I are very impressed by it. Good, solid, fun stuff. Uh, you know, neat player powers you can develop over the course of the game. Really nice presentation. Really unique feel. Um, because the interesting thing is the uh, the Tetris pieces are templates. You put them, but you don't keep them on there. You put them on there to show you where you put your regular little power stones that you then start pulling off and ripping apart. So imagine a Tetris game where you spend half the game building it up, but then the other half of the game ripping apart what you've built. Neat, clever stuff. Realm of Sand. Then, we have Orbis. Again, folks, I've already done the video. Go check it out. Or if you can't, it'll be up soon. This is a super sharp... We were very impressed by this. From Space Cowboys. Is it going to make top 10 of the year? No. But it could have. In another year, it might have. This is a uh, civilization building game. Where you are a... A god who is charged with building your own little universe by drafting for tiles and building them higher and higher and higher. And you're building an actual pyramid. Uh, the tiles are laid out to create a pyramid. And what you put on the ground level before informs what you can build on top of it. But it's, it's super sharp. It's lovely to look at. It's just a really brilliant design. Check out my video for Orbis. Then, okay, don't have a video for this. Captains of the Gulf. Uh, it is an economic Euro-style simulation. And this one is about running a uh, fishing boat in um, the Gulf of Mexico, I think? I'm not quite sure. You know, but anyway, Spielworks. Always smart designs. It's definitely checking out Captains of the Gulf. After that, oh, here's yet another game that's been around forever, but impossible to find. So hooray for folks who haven't been able to get it. The second edition of Forenza is finally going to be available, and that is awesome. This is an amazing uh, Euro-style drafting game where you're building towers in Forenza, and it borrows the core gameplay drafting mechanism of Small World and um, Spice Road, or Century, Spice Road. Good, good stuff. Go watch my older run-through for it. I'm glad other people are finally going to get to see it because it's been out of print forever. And, but here, on the other hand, is a brand new game, Fuji. And it's from uh, Fuhrland Spiele, the Terra Mystica folks. They make good games. This one sounds a little bit lighter. It's a cooperative game. It is a dice-driven game. This kind of feels a little bit out of their wheelhouse for the most part, since they're really known for the bigger, heavier stuff. But it looks gorgeous. All that stuff aside, though, the most important thing is it is from designer Wolfgang Warsch, who, if you were paying attention earlier this year, had the best board game designer year of all time, or certainly one of them, you know, uh, with all of his uh, Spiel des Jahres and Kenner Spiel des Jahres wins and nominations. Uh, this guy is on fire. And after the, all the Spiel buzz for him 
this is going to be his first new design. You know, after, what was it, The the Mind and uh, Gonshon Clever and the, oh, what's it called, the Quinlanburg game? I don't remember what the name of it is. Still, the guy's on fire. This is what he's bringing out. It looks gorgeous. And it's from Furyland Spila, so it'll be really rock-solid gameplay. And it's cooperative, too. Hooray! What's not to love about Fuji? Next up, Robin Hood and the Merry Men. This is the second game on this list that is here predominantly because of the art of the Miko. Uh, whose name is Mihalo something. I don't know how to say his last name. Sorry, Mihalo. But I believe you prefer to be called the Miko, so that is what I will call you. It is... I don't know much about it. It was on Kickstarter. It was successful. They didn't send me a... I was really surprised because I probably would have covered it, potentially, because it looks gorgeous. And it is a Euro-style simulation um, about the Robin Hood adventures, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Apparently it's semi-cooperative. I really don't know much about it, but I'm really intrigued, but it's mostly the Miko's wonderful, wonderful art that pulls me in. But then after that, we are back to Spiela for Magnastorm. And this looks like it's getting more back into their wheelhouse. Big, super heavy, complex, deep, and rich Euro goodness. Don't know much more about it. Don't need to know much more because I expect they know what they're doing over there. And so I'm interested definitely, definitely in Magnastorm. After that, oh folks, this so almost made my 10. This is probably number 11. Number 11 or number 12. I really agonized over number 10 on the list, I gotta say. But Escape Tales, The Awakening looks to be fantastic. I mentioned earlier, Deckscape, Heist in Venice was so far the best escape room in your home game we've played. Thus far, and a big reason for that was how brilliantly it welded, it wielded, it 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 melded in, winded in the narrative to the escape room experience. Escape Tales, the series, is all about strongly narrative-driven escape room style puzzle solving. That is a perfect storm for me and Jen because we love these escape rooms and if there's anything we don't like it's just the weird random abstract nature of them just a bunch of crazy puzzles that make no sense just solve them so uh but escape tales seems like it fixes everything we don't like about escape rooms it doesn't have a timer it doesn't put you under a lot of pressure it doesn't punish you if you have a hard time with the puzzles it just wants you to have fun and work your way through a compelling narrative story while solving a whole bunch of puzzles. So you better believe I am definitely down for Escape Tales The Awakening. Maybe this is going to be the closest board games have come to capturing the heyday of computer point-and-click adventures, you know, like the old uh, LucasArts games and Sierra games and whatnot, you know, your full throttles and your Day of the Tentacles and stuff like that. This has the potential for that. That's why it almost made my top ten. Then, another reprint. Folks are going to get CO2 their second chance. This is the new... And this one's not just a reprint like all the other ones I've been talking about. Designer Vito Lasarda went back and really changed the core game up in pretty significant ways. You can watch the video I did for it when it was on Kickstarter earlier this year to see how. Although, if you just love basic CO2, you can play that way also. So, definitely, if you're a Vito Lasarda fan, hey, for my money, this is Vito's best game ever. Is it? Well, I know Jen would prefer Galaris. But anyway, it's great. CO2, second chance. After that, Railroad Inc. Another game you'll be seeing a video from me shortly. Oh, wait, no, no. You, I've already seen the video because I did a full run-through. And if you'd like, you can play along with me. Check out my run-through of Railroad Inc. and see if you can beat my score. 
Spoiler alert, you probably can. But this is another great roll and write, really rock-solid stuff. Check out the video and see why. And the interesting thing is, there are two editions of it. The red edition and the blue edition. Which edition to get? Both. For me personally, I prefer the red because that's a destructive one where it just throws a monkey in the wrench and really messes with your plans. But if you like a more laid-back experience, blue is probably going to be better because it's all about accentuating what you're doing and allowing you to score bigger points. But either way, Railroad Inc., very sharp. Play along, won't you? With my video, that is. Okay, after that, Solenia, um, which is a game from Pearl, from designer Sebastian Dujardin. And that means good, good stuff. Because, oh, what was Sebastian's other game from Pearl from a few years ago? Deus. Was that right? Deus? Which was an absolutely brilliant design. Loved it to pieces. Just didn't care for the player versus player nature of it. I hope that's not here because he's an incredible designer. Pearl produces great game after great game. And so I'm very, very excited for Solinia. So much so, I don't even know what it is. All I saw was Pearl and Sebastian. I literally have not read this description. Something about the southern hemisphere bathed in sunlight and we carry out the honorable task of traveling the world to deliver goods to inhabitants of hemispheres. Okay, cool. Fine, whatever. I just needs to play some Selenia. After that, oh, we're climbing higher. Prehistory. I'm surprised this is so high. I'm very happy about that because this was a very, very cool. Ah, excuse me. Very, very cool worker placement game I did a run-through for back in January of this year when it was on Kickstarter. Really sharp, fun stuff. Um, and you know what, folks, I've been going so long. I'll just once again say, check out my video to see why. But I can say both Jen and I were really impressed by it. A lot of really... This is definitely one of those games that pulls... It's another one of those kitchen sinks. There's a million different things going on, but they all pull together to make something very, very cool prehistory. Then there is Blue Lagoon. Another light, breezy, gateway family-style game from Blue Orange Games, because that's what they're known for. What's different about this one? It's from Reiner Knizia. And um, reading it, it sounded kind of like Chin, which is one of the few abstract games Jen and I have really dug. And actually, it's a fairly aggressive game Jen and I have really dug, too. And so, if we like Chin so much, Q-I-N, maybe we'll really dig Blue Lagoon as well. Although everybody says it's uh, based off of, or it's a, it's a good follow-up to um, Through the Desert, I think. It has more in, in, in uh, common with that. And Through the Desert is brilliant, too. Either way, I expect good things from Blue Lagoon. And, oh, Brass. More specifically, Brass Lancashire and Brass Birmingham. Both gorgeous updates to the modern classic. Probably, um... Ah, excuse me. Probably designer Martin Wallace's best game of all time. Probably. Uh, Brass is amazing. And, uh, you know, it's finally gotten the big, gorgeous reprint it deserves. And if you want Brass Birmingham, a reprint that adds a whole bunch of new stuff to the core formula. So, that is a very exciting day. Definitely worth seeking out because Brass is really worth it. One of the best heavy Euros out there. Next up, holding on. You can go check out my video to see more. Beautiful game. In terms of its thematic content, you are players are cooperatively a group of nurses trying to help a man come to terms with his life in the final days of his life. It is touching and it, it, it well presented. It's a good little cooperative puzzle game, but elevated to great, great heights because of the gravity and weight of the simulation it, and the story it tells. But go watch the run-through and see more of what I mean. Treasure Island. Oh, man. 
Vincent Dutrait's art, much like the Miko's art, gets me to seek out games. This game has Vincent Dutre art. It's, I don't know what, it's some kind of bluffing, hidden deduction story. I don't know what. I don't know. I just want it because it looks gorgeous because of Vincent Dutre's art. And, and really, what more is there that need be said? Although, actually, I recognize the name of the designer. Mark uh, Paquin? What, what else have you designed, Mark? Why does your name look familiar to me? Oh, Yamatai. Yeah, Yamatai was really sharp. And this is his Mark's follow-up. Oh, congratulations, Mark. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth seeking out Treasure Island. Okay, next up, another reprint of a game that's been out of print forever, and that's a shame, and I'm glad it's finally going to hit more tables. Endeavor, The Age of Sail gorgeous, um, really great, wonderful reproduction with a lot of new content in it as well. Uh, my copy just showed up the other day. Can't wait to try it. Um, but you go watch my original run-through to see why this is a special game. Really interesting, really unique. And again, one of those rare games that Jen and I will play in spite of the kind of cutthroat take that in of it. And speaking of, same is true for our next game, Dice Settlers. Oh, man. This was such a sharp, sharp game from uh, David Turchi, who is a really sharp up-and-coming designer. This is a 4X game. You know, explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. You will have your cubes wipe out the cubes of your opponents. And while I wasn't keen on that, the gameplay itself was so good uh, you know, that I had to give it a thumbs up when we did the prototype run-through and it was on Kickstarter. Uh, definitely worth checking out. After that, we've got The River. This is Days of Wonders, one production a year. That's what Days of Wonder do. They put out one game every year, and it's gorgeous in its production, and it's rock solid and super sharp in its design. And while they don't always work for me in Gen, they are always worth checking out. And therefore, I do not know anything about this worker placement game other than the fact that it will be gorgeous, and it will be super sharp, and it may or may not work for us. But hey, when it, when these have worked for us, they're some of the best games we've ever played. Um, like uh, Quadropolis, for example. So the river, high on my list, and definitely, because we're now almost up to the 400 thumbs. Uh, we started out with like you know, like four or five thumbs, now we're up to like 400 plus thumbs. So you better believe, it's not just me, Board Game Geek says you should check out the river. But even more so, and I agree with this, we should check out Ray Colt, the latest Big box, heavy euro from designer Uwe Rosenberg. This is another one that just barely missed my top 10. Uh, Teotihuacan beat it because I knew Teotihuacan was great. I expect Ray Colt to be great, but I'll be honest. For the last few years, Uwe Rosenberg has been kind of hit or miss with us. But I still want to check it out, particularly because everybody says this takes a lot of ideas from Gates of Yang, which is one of our favorite Uwe games of all time. So definitely keen on checking out Ray Colt. And also keen on checking out Newton from Cranio Creations and Simone Luciani, uh, who is one of the codes, along with uh, Nestor uh, Magone. Uh, you know, we're talking about the folks behind uh, Zulkin the Mayan Calendar. And, oh, I can't think of all their great games. Okay, let me click. Because my, my, my brain is just falling apart at this point, folks. I'm I'm literally, I cannot go on, but I will go on. Because I'm sorry, Nestor, I feel like I should look you up. There you are. There you are, Nestor. Um, oh, oh, yeah, no, Nestor is new. Expo 1906 was his other game, which was a good, solid game. But, yeah, it's really uh, Simone Luciane. What are we talking about? Um, Voyages of Marco Polo. 
Zolk in the Mayan Calendar, um, Lorenzo El Magnifico, the brand new Barrage I just did a video for the other day, uh, Dungeon Bazaar, which was uh, you know kind of slid under the uh, surface. Wait a minute. Oh, did he not do Zolk in the Mayan Calendar? Am I wrong? Oh, whoops, no. Yeah, he did. Anyway, just an incredible pedigree of designs. Yes, Zolk in the Mayan Calendar. Grand Austria Hotel, that's the one I was thinking of. Council of Four. Really, an incredible catalog of games, Simone, and uh, Nestor's game, uh, Expo 1906, was pretty cool too. So, them together making a Euro about the time of Galileo and Copernicus and, and Isaac Newton inventing stuff? Yes, please, for Newton. Um, oh my gosh, we're almost done, folks. I can see the end in sight, because next up there is Chronicles of Crime. Which is a very, very cool... Everybody's working together cooperatively to solve a series of mysteries. But in this game, unlike you know uh, Sherlock Holmes' Consulting Detective, which is what this clearly takes its inspiration from, you have an app. And you use the app to actually see little virtual reality recreations of the crime scene. Don't worry! There's no gross, nasty blood. But you have to... When you're looking for clues, you're not just reading and trying to decipher the clues. You're physically looking for clues in a three-dimensional world. That's awesome. We really liked it. And then, you know, the actual system for solving the crimes is pretty neat, too. Chronicles of Crime is finally becoming available. You just need a smartphone. And I know several expansions are going to be released as well that change the game up in pretty significant ways. Uh, I'll probably talk about that a little bit more when we get to expansions later on, if I've got the strength to keep going. But, oh, uh, just, just three more. Everdell. Awesome game. Super smart, card drafting, uh, tableau building, combo scoring, beautiful production. I just had a run through the other day. Cute anthropomorphized forest critters trying to build up their own little societies. Awesome stuff, Everdell. Detective, a modern crime board game. Another game that borrows from the formula of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Everybody's working cooperatively to solve a series of mysteries. And again, it uses an app, but this time it uses an app to be able to access an online database so that you can really pretend that you are like the, you know, the characters in CSI having to do actual research, uh, not just you know, reading and see, you know, seeing the clues that are given to you in the story snippets, but actually going and researching the background of the perps and you know, looking at arrest records and toxicology reports and all kinds of stuff. Really neat. But the neatest thing about it is you can do extra research by going online and checking out stuff in Wikipedia, and that can help you out as well. Neat, neat stuff from Portal Games. I've actually got my copy. Haven't had a chance to play it yet. Looking forward to Detective, a modern crime story. And the last one, folks, 85 games done when we talk about Architects of the West Kingdom. Neat worker placement game where you spend just as much time placing your workers as you do bailing them out of jail. Because that's how you recover your workers is when another player has them arrested and then you've got to go get them back into so you can keep working. Really neat stuff. Very clever. Um, and again, wonderful art from the Miko. Oh my gosh, I did it, folks. That's 85 games, plus the top 10. That's 95 games. But am I done? No, I'm a moron. We're going to keep talking, because next up is the expansion. So hold on, we'll be right back. (music) 
Okay, everybody, Jen just got back from her epic walking the dogs down to the post office to mail off the last things for Essen Spiel. And so I want to get back to Forum Trajanum. As you recall from earlier in the podcast, I had, we had put that on hold so I could film this all so she could go mail some stuff. She's back. So I'm done with you people. Let's get through these expansions. We got 35 games by my reckoning, that have expansions that are worth sinking out. Although I'm sure there's plenty more, but let's just get going on them. Santa Maria American Kingdoms. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I've already done a video for it. You'll see that shortly. It adds so much. This is the poster child for how to do an expansion that really enhances the base game. It adds so much, including asymmetrical play. Very impressed. Uh, after that, we've got Fields of Green, Grand Fair. Fields of Green deserves more love. I'm glad it's getting... It must have gotten some love to get the expansion. Sure, I kind of miss the outer space setting of the original Among the Stars, because Field of Green is basically retheming that game and adding cool extra stuff. But, hey, I'm just happy there's going to be more cards, more card drafting, more Fields of Green to build with the Grand Fair. And after that, Kitchen Rush, piece of cake. Yes, Kitchen Rush, oh, such a sharp, cooperative, real-time game of managing a kitchen. Really neat. You can watch my original run-through to see why. And so, again, it just puts a smile on my face to know that enough people must have played it that it warranted getting an expansion because it really deserved it. Then, we've got Tramways. Well, I mentioned that earlier, the, the Conductor's Manual. Well, Tramways is getting some uh, love, too. Uh, what is it? The Industry of Small City, the Residents of Small City, and... Um, Oh, yeah, and then the Conductor's Manual I mentioned before. Tramways, super sharp deck builder. Really interesting, really unique. Does a lot of cool stuff, and it's great to have more content for it. Welcome to got some interesting stuff. I made note of the scoring pad and goodies, which, strictly speaking, I mean, I've got enough uh, scoring pads. I can always just, what do you call it, um, laminate if I ever get low. But uh, the interesting thing is apparently the goodies include some alternate layouts that can change the game up a little bit. So that's definitely worth seeking out. Also, apparently there's going to be a Welcome to Miniature Edition that just uh, strips... I mean, the game was already stripped down to just a deck of cards and some pads, but it'll strip it down even more. So uh, if you haven't gotten Welcome to yet, you might want to get that. Although I guess some people are upset because if you don't get the Mini Edition, you can't get the... I'm not sure what the story is. Welcome to is good just by itself. It's really weird what publisher Blue Cocker Games has done and created this confusion. That's why you should check out their... uh, booth when you get there and get to the bottom of it for me. Okay, then there is Space Race, the card game, Intercosmos. Space Race, super sharp, smart, um, uh, uh, tableau card building game, shades of, you know, echoes of Race for the Galaxy, but set in the real world, mankind's real race to the stars, really sharp game, very clever mechanisms, and hey, more cards is always good in a card game, right? Paper Tales talked about how it's getting its second edition. It's also getting another expansion beyond the gates. Again, in a card drafting game, more cards is a good thing. Hey, Chronicles of Crime, Noir, and Welcome in Redview. Now, I mentioned this before, that these are not just new mysteries for you to solve, but they fundamentally changed the game. Um, I remember the uh, Welcome to Redville, it, or Redview, it changes the game by retheming it from the uh, London detectives of the base game into an Americana 
you know, Stranger Things, Scooby-Doo, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew type setting where we're a bunch of kids solving crimes. And um, to kind of harken back to the 80s feel, it includes dice rolling, uh, roll to resolve. I love that idea. I don't know if I'd actually love it. And I know the noir expansion, again, to uh, give a very different feel, introduces new stuff like the fact that you can now bribe and intimidate people that you interact with, which is certainly not something you can do when you were playing as just straight-laced bobbies in the original game. I love the fact that not only are they giving new mysteries, but new ways to play those mysteries that fit the theme. So that's very, very smart for the expansions of Chronicles of Crime. Then we've got a few nice little bumps for Factory Funner, I already talked about that earlier. Uh, Expansion number one. Expansion number two. More tiles in a tile land game. Yes. Roll to the top. Special challenges pack. More unique um, pads of paper for more puzzles to solve in the abstract roll and write. This is nice. Altiplano. Um, Oh, I forget what... Oh, I, I ticked the German one. I didn't tick the English one. But... It's the first... Oh, The Traveler. Altiplano, The Traveler. This is interesting. I've already talked about this in the past. How is Altiplano, which I think is the better design than Orléans, is it ultimately going to eclipse and surpass Orléans? Well, it needs expansions to do it, and this is its first one. And you know, if it's smarter about how it does its expansions than Orléans was, it could surpass. I'm interested. I'm also interested because Reiner Stockhausen, the original designer, is working on it, along with Louis and Stefan Malls. Remember how much I said I like them? Those guys are back. They're everywhere. And so Altiplano's Traveler expansion is interesting, but even more so Great Western Trail Rails to the North. Okay, Great Western Trails uh, is probably, most people would agree, Alexander Pfister's best game to date. It's the one that really put him on the map with good reason, and this adds so much stuff. I don't even know where to start. There's a lot of content here for an already amazeballs game. So, definitely Rails to North is a must-have. In fact, I marked it as a must-have. Alrighty. Then we've got some new stuff for the networks. Uh, executives and more executives. Gilhova, I want some more stuff for networks. And Gilhova says, yes, here you go. More cards for an excellent, excellent card game of, you know, running a TV network. This is cool. This War of Mine, Tales from the Ruined City. Uh, you know, This War of Mine already has so much narrative story content. But obviously, if you've ever seen anything about This War of Mine, you know how incredibly passionate the developers are for this game. So the fact that they are giving us more stuff, more stories, more new gameplay mechanisms is very, very cool. Um, the, this War of Mine will continue, apparently, with the uh, Tales from the Ruined City. Now, this is just a fun little thing. Uh, First Class is getting a new module. The G module. Looks like it's just three cards. If I were there, I would definitely go stand in line at the Hans and Gluck booth and buy it for, what, five bucks? Probably. (laughs) But, you know, hey, a new module to mix things up because it's Transylvania! Which, what is that? It's introducing wizard cards? What is that? What is that? That's crazy. But First Class is brilliant. More variety is brilliant, too. I mentioned this earlier. Fog of Love is getting expansions. Three of them. It Will Never Last. Paranormal Romance and Trouble with the In-Laws. Cool, cool, cool. More episodes of the excellent cooperative asymmetrical romantic simulation. Nice. All, you know, I love it. Pushing forward the boundaries of what modern board game design means. Then we've got Legends of Andor, The Forgotten Legends. Now, unfortunately, it looks like it's only going to be available in German. I'm just, it's wishful thinking that it would be available in English. I shouldn't put it on the list because I know it's not, but I want it so bad. I want more 
Forgotten Legends for the original Legends of Andor, which is still to this day the best Andor. Okay, eventually it'll come out in English, just not now, probably. But hey, another 10th anniversary for Dixit? Nice. More Dixit cards, but more to the point, celebrating such a wonderful design. So what is that? That's Stone Age, Pandemic, and Dixit. Wow, 2008 was a good year, folks. And so it's making 2018 a good year with all these great 10-year anniversary uh, releases. Agricola is getting uh, the Bubblekus deck. Um, this is why, folks, Agricola beats Caverna. More content, more content, more content. It'll never go old. And in fact, actually, the, uh, what was it? The revised Agricola of, of Agricola is now getting the revised edition of Farmers of the Moor. So for folks who have the revised edition, congratulations. You can finally start burning that peat. So those are all must-have for Agricola fans. And what's this? Caverna, the Forgotten Folks, I guess I have to uh, bite my tongue. Finally, we get some content for Caverna, the, the cave farmers. You know, the, the, the big box thought it would never come. And it really wouldn't have. Because the interesting thing is, this was not from Uwe Rosenberg. This was a fan-led uh, expansion that Lookout recognized was good enough that they decided to publish it. That is awesome. I'm so happy for Caverna fans. Even though Jen and I prefer Agricola, more content. I mean, that's really the main thing Caverna needed. Wow. Do I have to go back and check out Caverna now, folks? Maybe I do. Okay. Uh, oh, also, I didn't put it on the list, but Ca the uh, Caverna Duel 2-player is getting an expansion as well. Great stuff. Uh, let's see. Isle of Sky. Druids. Hooray! I still haven't played my Isle of Sky Journey uh, expansion from last year, but more Fist or Love. Oh, man. This is making me sad. i got to get Journey of the World before we get Druids. How uh, will they work together? Isle of Sky. Amazing tile land game. Dice Town, a fistful of dollars. I have to admit, Jen is more of the Dice Town fan in this household than me, but it's worth keeping around because it's a good party game. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd check it out, sure. Um, I talked about Reef as a really cool abstract game, a very cool little mini expansion called King of the Coral. If you get Reef, you gotta get this, folks, because they're gorgeous little tropical fish minis or tiles. They look gorgeous, and they really change the game up. I think they'll make it a lot deeper. I can't wait to try them. All That Burns is the first expansion for the Chronicles of Frost, which I mentioned in the main. Uh, we really liked it a lot when it was on Kickstarter. I can't believe it's getting expansion content. This is really pushing Chronicles of Frost even higher in our esteem. Fountains of Use... The, the Fountain of Youth and Other Adventures for The Lost Expedition, which was a really cool little push-your-luck adventure game through South American jungles using real-world historical explorers. Really liked the core game. Um, very clever. It really designed as a solo, but had a much like the Oniverse games, had a really great cooperative variant into it. And so, new content? Hey, that's pretty cool. More new content for uh, Tybor the Builder? Yes, please. Although, interestingly, this really shocked me. It's not from Alexander Pfister. And apparently, it drops the narrative expansion and just gives you a bunch of new content. Now, that's cool anyway, because Tybor the Builder is a great little card drafting game, a great pure card drafting game. I'm a little bummed that they didn't package it the way they had done previously into narrative structure, but say la vie, it'll probably be good anyway. Concordia Venus. Oh, yeah. Now, I could have actually put this in the main because it's interesting. Concordia has been out for years, but when you go to the show, you can buy Concordia Venus as an expansion for the base game, or you can buy Concordia Venus 
as the base game. If you don't own Concordia, you can get a standalone version of Venus. And apparently, it gives you a a board that you can't get any other way, but apparently it's a remake of the Italian board from the original game. Nobody really knows for sure, at least last time I looked. So that's a bit confusing, but I love Concordia, so more maps is a good thing, especially when they add new gameplay, and this one adds a whole new god for in-game scoring. Venus. You got it. Yeah, babies, you got it. I mean, Venus, I'm fire, pure desire. All right, anyway. Um, expansions. Merlin. I already talked about uh, Sevenfell's wonderful game from last year. Boom! It came out of nowhere. Surprise expansion with more Merlin content for that great roll and move from Steffenfeld. And, uh, hey, how about some expansions for Skylands, which I already mentioned is making its debut. Great, wonderful, puzzly tiling game. Even better with uh, three different Queenie expansions. Four different Queenie... Five different Queenie expansions. Wow. Okay, and then Keyflow is coming. Will it replace Keyflower? I don't know. But in the meantime, be sure when you go and get Keyflow to pick up the Keyflower developer expansion tiles. Just a single tile, but they're always cool. Eldorado is getting its first expansion. The request for Eldorado from Reiner Kanichi is getting Heroes and Hexes. This makes me so happy because Reiner Kanichi doing a deck builder and a really brilliant deck builder was already wonderful, but deck builders always need more content. Hooray! Content in the form of Heroes and Hexes for Eldorado, or the quest for Eldorado. Then, oh, I really... The, the publisher said they were going to send it to me, but it didn't show up in time. But I'm still excited for K2 Lotsi, or Hotsi. It's a new mountain to climb in K2. But you know what this means, folks. If an expansion is coming for K2, then K2 is finally getting a reprint. Finally! It's been out of print for so long. Very excited times. What do we got here? One, two more expansions for Clank. Golden Silk for regular Clank, and um, Apocalypse for Clank in Space. So glad to see both games getting love. So whether you like fantasy, whether you, whether you like sci-fi, uh, you, you're going to have, or just whether you like deck building in general, you're going to get some good gaming there. After that, Seven Wonders Armada, the latest Seven Wonders expansion and I don't know, folks, it might be the first one I... Oh, who am I kidding? I was about to say, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Um, I got to. I got to get them all. But this one worries me because the Armada means sea f battles, which means not only are we engaged in military conflict, which has never bothered because it's just been a points exchange with the people to the either side of you. Now you go to war out at sea into the middle of the table and deal with stuff on the other side. Maybe it's okay. I don't know. How will it work for two? I don't know. Yeah, okay, I'm going to get it. Seven Wonders Armada. I'm not kidding anybody. And finally, the last one... Which is the most important one because I'm, that's why I'm going so fast because I want to get back out to foreign um, uh, uh, Trajanum is foreign Trajanum the Essen promo cards and here's the deal, folks. If anybody could pick these up for me, I'd really appreciate it. But apparently, it's a big ask because to get these things, there are going to be people dressed up in ancient Roman guard walking around, and you have to find four of them and do something or other. What was it? It's some crazy promotional thing. To collect this pack of promo cards, you need to find three of the four Romans on patrol in the convention. Yes, four Romans in traditional garb are wandering, and they are stamping a promotion card. Uh, these promo cards will be available at the booths. Once you get the three or four stamps, you can turn them in for the promo cards. Must have these cards. Did I mention how amazing this is? It's my number two most anticipated game of the con. I've already got it in my hand, but I don't have these promo cards. Must get. Because, I mean, this is definitely a game that will benefit from having more cards. These are going to be objective cards that you chase after throughout the course of the game. <sighs> Folks, we're done. We are done here. I'm going to go and uh, finish my game. 
Uh, and then I'll edit this together later and post it. And I will wish all of you a very happy Essenspiel. Like I said right up front, Jen and I are very sad. We won't be there. This is the first time, I think, in seven years for me and six years for Jen that we will not be at the convention. But, you know, we have to take care of stuff over here in America. And um, I... I wish I could be there with you guys and gals, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. And in the meantime, folks, we will be back next month. As always, send those questions into questions at rotto.com because we don't have very many yet. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a good show next month. And otherwise, I am going to say thanks once again for listening, everybody. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Ah, bye bye. 